You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. As you may have heard by now, including on this very podcast, there is a reckoning happening in a remote British Columbia forest. It's the war of the woods! Police forced to break through chains, taking protesters at the Ferry Creek blockade into custody. The Ferry Creek blockade has been a flashpoint for a number of issues. For the rapidly dwindling amount of old-growth forests left in British Columbia, for the logging industry, which has been one of BC's biggest industries since forever, indigenous people, who have rights to decide the fate of their own land, and environmental advocates who are literally putting themselves between loggers and the trees to the tune of nearly 200 arrests so far. What began months ago as a small standoff between protesters and industry, the type of standoff that people in BC have become very familiar with over the years, has now become more than that. What's happening at Ferry Creek sure looks like it is going to be, no matter which way it ends up, a tipping point for the future of both environmentalism and industry in the province. The problem is, at this moment, nobody can say which way it's going to go. And while protesters are hopeful that the government will at least defer logging in this forest, it is what the NDP does with a long list of recommendations it has previously promised to implement that will decide whether or not these trees stay standing. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Sarah Cox is the BC investigative reporter for our friends at the Narwhal. Hi, Sarah. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. How about you? I'm well, thanks. Yeah. Do you want to explain, as we get started, for people who don't live anywhere near BC and have never seen it, what is old growth forest exactly? And uh, what does it look like? Sure. So old growth forest, there's kind of the the official definition. And then there's uh, what you think of when you hear the words old growth forest. So the official definition is that on the coast where where uh, the growing season is longer and it tends to be wetter, that trees that are older than 250 years are considered to be old growth. And in other parts of the province, it's trees that are 140 years old. But I think when, when people think of old growth, they imagine those kind of iconic photographs of these enormous cedar and Douglas fir trees that are as tall as skyscrapers and as wide as a bus. Um, the, the old growth forest, because the trees are so large, the, the kind of the light filters through them in a different way. They're draped in mosses and, and lichens and um, just kind of fallen logs over centuries have become nurse logs for, for other trees. But the, the forests, old growth forests are much more than the trees, of course. They're hotspots for biodiversity. They're home to all kinds of species, including uh, species at risk of extinction that have evolved to depend on these forests. 
uh, in the interior of BC, species like uh, caribou um, on the um, southwest uh, mainland part of BC. We've got the spotted owl here on the island and other areas. We've got the marbled murlet bird. And of course, these old forests are huge stores of carbon mm-hmm. and they filter water. They, they have many, many environmental functions. So because we're going to talk about the government's strategy in terms of of harvesting these forests or not, maybe first, do we know how much there used to be versus how much is left in BC? Like, what's the status of it? Well, we know how much is left in BC. And again, it's it's a matter of definition and interpretation. If you're looking at just the age class and you're including old growth forest that's up mountaintops, um, less biodiverse, you're talking about old forest in bogs, it's one definition. But if you're thinking of those uh, the tallest, biggest trees in the valley bottoms that have the most species at, at risk of extinction and the highest biodiversity. Um, independent scientists who previously worked for the BC government um, recently found that less than 3% of that old growth still remains in British Columbia. And some of that is still available for logging, correct? That is correct. And that's what a lot of the controversies are about these days. Right. And so that brings us, I guess, to Ferry Creek. To use as an example for the conversation we're going to have about the approach to this across the province. And we did an episode on Ferry Creek a couple of weeks ago in the context of the RCMP uh, blockading some journalists from entering the site and, and used that as a jumping off point to discuss how the RCMP handles journalism in rural areas. But today... I'd love for you to explain, if you can, the dispute around Ferry Creek, not about uh, the journalists covering it, but the dispute around Ferry Creek and, and what's being allowed and why. Okay, so so Ferry Creek has become a bit of a catch-all phrase for an area that's actually larger than Ferry Creek. Ferry Creek is a watershed. It's about uh, two hours drive from Victoria on southwest Vancouver Island. It's in the territory of the Pachidat First Nation. Um, And it is, if you were looking at this area from the air, Ferry Creek would be in that particular area, the last unprotected, um, fairly intact uh, valley uh, of old growth. And I say fairly intact because there has been some some historic logging in the valley and there's some second growth um, kind of at the, the bottom of the watershed there. And so it has become a symbol for the destruction of old growth in BC, which many people are opposed to logging the rest of of the old growth that remains in BC, what little remains. So um, since last summer, there have been uh, people under the auspices of a group called the Rainforest Flying Squad who have been camped in the Ferry Creek watershed in an effort to uh, prevent impending logging of some old growth cut blocks in the watershed. Um, So and now, of course, we've been reading about the arrests that are happening um, mm-hmm. following uh, an injunction obtained by the company Teal Jones that has the logging rights in this valley. So right now we have a situation where people are being arrested almost on a daily basis. Um, as of yesterday, there had been more than 220 arrests in the Ferry Creek area. Wow. And um, we have... Um, 
a statement issued by the Pachidat First Nation and two neighboring First Nations um, asking for a deferral, basically calling on the government to agree to a deferral of, of logging in the Ferry Creek watershed and in a nearby the nearby uh, central Walbrand area for two years while they figure out their own um, forest stewardship plans. And the government last week agreed to that. A lot of the people who have been camped out there are not leaving despite this. There are other areas, nearby areas of old growth that are at imminent risk of logging. And they say that they are uh, remaining in the area to try to stop that logging. So it's very much in the news in BC these days. So I realize I'm going to ask you to take a position that you probably don't ascribe to, but in the interests of kind of trying to provide context, what's the justification from companies or even from the government who allowed it in the first place for logging old growth forests? Well, BC is a province that's founded on logging. Um, there's been logging has been a major industry here for decades and decades and decades, although there were are quite a few fewer jobs than there used to be. If you look at about two decades ago, we had 91,000 jobs in forestry in the province. Now that's less than about 50,000. And it's down to providing about 2% of government uh, revenues this year. But what's happened historically is that the government has given out 10 years um, to mostly uh, large forestry companies in the province. We have about 94% of the province that's crown land. And so they've given out these 10 years, which means that the companies have a right to log and that if they were to be denied that right, they would need to be uh, offered compensation. So we have a situation in the province where we just can't seem to switch paradigms. And even though old growth is running out and forest resources are diminishing, we are still um, proceeding with logging, including logging of old growth. And there have been many, many conversations about how to switch this paradigm, but we're, we're kind of stuck now and we can't quite do that. What's the case against logging these old growth forests? And I mean, you've already mentioned uh, biodiversity and uh, the carbon that's stored there. How come that's not enough? And, and what else is at stake? So, um, so many things at stake, um, especially with so few of these forests left in British Columbia. In, in January, a Prince George-based group called Conservation North um, released an interactive map. Um, it's called Seeing Red, and you can actually go on that map and scroll around the province and see what little remains of BC's original and ancient forests um, that haven't been logged or haven't been impacted by industrial development. So what is at stake is that we have so little of these very rich old growth areas left in the province. We have declining biodiversity in BC. We have uh, more species at risk of extinction than, than any other province does. We also have greater biodiversity here in this province. And people are very much feeling that with the climate crisis and global biodiversity crisis, that it's absolutely necessary to protect what we have left. Yet we are in we are in a system which has already allocated um, logging rights to much of this area that is that is not already uh, protected in parks or protected areas or other forms of, of lesser protection. The big story will be back in just a minute. 
Does the government have a plan for balancing those two viewpoints? And is it changing? Because I will just say, you know, as someone who doesn't live in BC, but who keeps track of news and politics across the country, this is, um, and maybe it's a dumb question, this is a little bit shocking to me coming from an NDP government, no? Yes, and so I think a couple things here. It, the NDP came to power almost four years ago, uh, first in a minority government, and um, as they have said many times, they inherited this. Mm. Yet many people are also pointing the finger at them for moving um fairly slowly on changing things around. Now, one thing they did do was to um, have what, what was called an old growth strategic review panel to look at old growth logging to make recommendations. And two foresters were appointed to that panel, Al Gorley and, and Gary Merkel. And they traveled around the province, they heard submissions, and they came out with a very comprehensive report about a year ago that called for a shift in in the way that BC does logging, a paradigm shift, moving from viewing our forestry resources as timber to to viewing, to putting ecosystem uh, health and values first. Al Gorley and Gary Merkel made about 14, no, they made 14 recommendations and um, called on the government to implement one really important recommendation, which I'll talk about in a minute, within six months. And here we are uh, more than a year later. Um, the feeling amongst many people is that the government is moving far too slowly. No recommendation has been implemented in full yet, even though it was a fall election promise from the NDP to do that. And the one recommendation that I wanted to draw attention to was one that was calling for immediate deferrals in logging and old growth areas at the highest risk of, of long-term uh, biodiversity loss. We, we haven't seen that happen. We've seen uh, nine logging deferrals announced We've seen the government claim during the election campaign that these areas were protected when when they were uh, really just deferred. And when you actually dig down and look at these nine areas, which total about 353,000 hectares, um, only 3,800 hectares of this highest productivity, most biodiverse old growth are included in that. And some uh, some of the areas included areas that had, had already been logged and areas that didn't have any of these older trees. What do environmental advocates want to see from the government beyond those deferrals? You know, you've mentioned a couple of times a paradigm shift. And what would that look like practically? I totally get the idea of of thinking of these forests as uh, biodiverse resources first and, and logging last. But how would that change the government's approach? And I guess how would they deal with the economic impact of that? Because I'm sure it would be at least somewhat substantial. For sure. And so, again, like this is a very, very difficult change for British Columbia. And and uh, Gary Merkel has has said this in, in a Q&A that the Narwhal did with him. Um, and he said it in uh, to other media as well. It is a very challenging shift to take an economy that was based in forestry and to shift that mindset and to shift all the resulting legislation um, that that needs to go with that. 
So the path has kind of been laid out by the old growth uh, strategic review panel and their recommendations. And their first recommendation was that consultations with First Nations communities take place because there are many First Nations that have a stake in the forest industry. And you can look back a, a couple of decades to that where basically resources were being removed from their territories and they really did not benefit at all from that. So mm-hmm. now we have First Nations communities who are involved in the logging industry, um, whose members depend on jobs in the logging industry, um, nations that, that get a percentage of the stumpage fees from the logging industry right. that they're using to support job creation programs um, and other uh, important uh, things for their nations. It's extremely complex. One suggestion that has been made for helping to make this this transformation is something called conservation financing. So basically what what you saw happen with the Great Bear Rainforest, which is investing funding in job creation that that protects the environment. And uh, that has been suggested. It's been advocated by um, the Union of BC Indian Chiefs. Um, and many others, conservation groups, but that hasn't happened yet. A possible avenue to getting some of that funding is through federal government financing, but we actually haven't seen that happen yet. We haven't seen the paradigm shift happen yet, and we still seem to be stuck in this old paradigm here in BC. Who needs to take the first step to change that? Is that John Horgan? Does he just need to, for want of a better term, suck it up and take the hit and do this? Well, it's certainly a government policy decision. Um, BC implemented the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, which means that we're going to enshrine the um, Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples into legislation. That is slowly happening. Consultations with First Nations communities are happening, and that that needs to be the first step. So nothing is nothing is happening quickly. And some people have pointed the finger at the government, saying that they're they're hiding behind this. Uh, meanwhile, it's, it's business as usual. I think it, it really depends on which First Nation you're talking to, the, right. the um, Pachidat, Dididat, and Huayat First Nations here on the island in, in the area where the campers are, have, have asked people to leave their territories while they work things out themselves. Um, you've seen a, in the last week the Squamish First Nation issue a declaration saying that they do not want any more old growth logging in their territory. The Spasm First Nation near near Hope uh, in the Lower Mainland has said the same thing. Um, so this is very much, um, very much an unfolding story here, and I, the government can't really come out and tell First Nations mm-hmm. what to do at this point. Um, on the other hand, uh, they've been quite slow to move on this and to uh, set aside these. Um, most important biodiverse areas and to figure out how if First Nations are relying on these areas for for revenue and jobs, working with the First Nations to figure out what the alternatives are. And in the meantime, if this continues to go slowly, um, tell me if I'm wrong, but this is inviting more Fairy Creek-style standoffs, I would assume. Absolutely, I think. I mean, you've got a, a situation also in the interior in a place called the Roush Valley, which is uh, one of the last intact uh, valleys. It's a Fraser River headwaters where 
the local community is very upset about proposed logging there and the company that um, has the right to log in this area is actually proposing to build a road, logging road through a provincial protected area to access the old growth. So you have these little hot spots happening all over the province, not just here. Ferry Creek has got a lot of attention because there are so many people involved, so many people being arrested. Um, the campers have been there for a long time, but um, we're probably going to see this happen and continue to happen all over the province until this all gets sorted out. And when I spoke to Gary Merkel a few weeks ago, he said that he he thought these kind of flare ups were almost inevitable as as BC works towards this transition to um, have a new a way of doing forestry in the province, a way that adds value, a way that um, gives First Nations the right to decide what is happening on their territory and also um, provides economic alternatives to to people wanting to make the switch from, from logging old growth. Is there a point at which this comes to a head, uh, becomes impossible to defer and, and delay anymore? You know, if we've got one happening now, uh, another potential standoff that could come soon. It seems like at some point the situation becomes untenable for a government. Yes, you would think so. I mean, and we're certainly seeing things coming to a head right now with, with Ferry Creek and arrests almost on a daily basis, uh, rallies outside uh, MLA constituency offices, rallies at the legislature, people taking to the streets in downtown Vancouver. Uh, things are very much coming to a head over logging old growth. And I, I think that there will be more announcements from the government about deferrals at the very least coming up. I don't think this is an issue that can just be pushed under the carpet in the hopes that it will go away any longer. It's everybody is aware of it and, and it's certainly not going away anytime soon. And it's just a painful thing that we're going through right now, I think, to get to a better place. Sarah, thanks again for all your work on this and for the Narwhal's work on this. It's really good to have this context. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Sarah Cox, BC investigative reporter from the Narwhal. That was the big story. For more big stories, including our previous episode looking at journalists versus the RCMP at Ferry Creek, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. You can email us anytime. We're at thebigstorypodcast at rci.rogers.com. As always, you'll find us in your favorite podcast player, Apple or Stitcher or Spotify or Google or Amazon Music, and on your favorite smart speaker. You just have to ask it to play The Big Story podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.